everybody. This is Kevin Wallace, Double CCIE and Cisco Press author, and I want to welcome you to episode number 69 of the Broadcast Storm entitled Understanding Jumbo Frames. The concept of a jumbo frame gets talked about a lot in networking, and a lot of people have a general idea of what it is. They think it's a big frame. It's bigger than normal, but they don't really have a solid understanding of a jumbo frame and the frame structure. And that's the purpose of this podcast episode. Let's dig in and see exactly what does a jumbo frame look like. Before we get to the jumbo frame, we need to contrast it with a traditional IEEE 802.3 Ethernet frame. So let's consider that first. We often talk about an Ethernet frame having a maximum frame size of 1518 bytes with 18 bytes being the ethernet header and 1500 bytes being the maximum allowable payload in other words the layer 3 content that's encapsulated inside of that frame that's a limit set by the IEEE 802.3 standard so let's consider where do those 18 bytes come from well an ethernet frame begins with a preamble and a start frame delimiter however and this is a common point of confusion The preamble, which is 7 bytes in length, and the start frame delimiter, which is 1 byte in length, those 8 bytes, they're not counted as part of the Ethernet 18-byte header because they're happening down at layer 1. The preamble, 7 bytes in length, is a series of 1s and zeros that's used to set up clocking to get the synchronization agreed upon by the two parties about to communicate. After all, Ethernet is a synchronous medium. We have to agree on our clocking, and that's the purpose of the preamble, but it happens down at layer one, so it's not counted toward the 18-byte Ethernet header. And then there's another byte, also at layer one, that's sort of like blowing the trumpet, saying, dum-da-dum, here comes an Ethernet frame. It announces the beginning of an Ethernet frame. Now we start to count the 18 bytes. We have six bytes of destination MAC address, followed by six bytes of the source MAC address. And remember, the Ethernet switch is examining, it's interrogating that destination MAC address to determine how to forward a frame. The main purpose in life of an Ethernet switch is to build this MAC address table to associate which MAC addresses live off of specific ports and to forward frames out of those ports. So the switch is going to be looking at that six-byte destination MAC address. We also need to know from whence the frame came, what is the source MAC address? That's six bytes as well. So we've got the destination MAC, the source MAC. Following that, we have a two-byte type field, which says what sort of payload is encapsulated inside of this frame. Now, typically, the type field is going to indicate that we're carrying at layer three IP version four or IP version six payload. And the payload size, the packet size, in other words, is typically going to be in the range of 46 bytes at the low end, to 1,500 bytes at the high end. And if the data that we're trying to send is not big enough to fill up that 46-byte minimum, then we have what's called padding that gets added. It's like fluff just to make the frame big enough to qualify. And then after we have this layer 3 payload, which again maxes out at 1,500 bytes, we check for errors. There's a 4-byte at the end of this. There's a 4-byte frame check sequence which is going to try to detect if an error has occurred in this frame. That's a traditional Ethernet frame, but if this frame is going over an IEEE 802.1Q trunk, recall that we add four bytes to that frame. Those four extra bytes, those tag bytes as they're called, they get inserted between the source MAC and the type field. So we've got the destination MAC, the source MAC, the four tag bytes, the type field, the payload, and then the FCS doing the error checking. And if we add all that up, we have potentially a frame size of 1,522 bytes. 
when the maximum allowable Ethernet frame size is typically 1518 bytes. 1500 bytes for the layer 3 payload, the packet that's being encapsulated, and 18 bytes for the header. Now we've stuck on four extra bytes. We've got a 1522 byte frame. Is that too big? Well, maybe not. If both ends of this communication link can agree that it's okay, then it's okay. There's a name given to this 1522 byte frame. It's called a baby giant. No kidding, it's called a baby giant. It's greater than 1518 bytes, so we would call it a giant sometimes, but it's okay because both ends agree that, yeah, we can add on those four extra bytes. Now, also recall that those four extra bytes don't get added on a .1Q trunk if this frame belongs to the native VLAN. That's an untagged VLAN. That's the way traditional Ethernet works. Now, let's consider the concept of a jumbo frame. With a jumbo frame, the header size stays the same, so nothing new to learn there. We still have an 18-byte Ethernet header, but the maximum payload size dramatically increases. It goes up by six times what it was before. Now, this can vary a little bit depending on different vendors' implementations, but almost always you're going to see a maximum payload size inside of a jumbo frame of 9,000 bytes. That's six times the traditional 1,500-byte limit. What's the advantage of doing this? What's the advantage of sending a bigger payload? Well, for one thing, it takes up a little less bandwidth on the link because we're sending fewer frames. We have less header information that we're sending. Less header information that we're sending means we're sending less data, freeing up additional bandwidth. This is also more processor-friendly on the switch. It's not having to make as many CPU interrupts because it's having to handle a fewer number of frames. But one of the challenges that we have with jumbo frames is, statistically, the odds of an error happening somewhere within those payload bytes is now six times what it was earlier. There's a greater possibility of error. And as a result, the traditional FCS, the frame check sequence approach, gets a bit more robust with the jumbo frame. With the regular frame check sequence that's used by Ethernet, it uses a polarity to indicate that an error has occurred or not. And if two errors occur, then they could essentially cancel one another out. Well, we probably need something a bit more robust for jumbo frames. So even though it still only takes up four bytes, it is a more robust process. And like a traditional Ethernet frame, we can absolutely have a jumbo frame go over a .1Q trunk. Again, assuming the other side understands jumbo frames, we're probably not going to be sending jumbo frames to a service provider, but we might send it between a couple of core switches in our network because they could both be configured with jumbo frame support. And if we send this jumbo frame over a .1Q trunk, then we've got a potential frame size of 9,022 bytes. 9,000 bytes for the increased payload size, 18 bytes for the Ethernet header, and then four tag bytes for a grand total of 9,022 bytes. Remember how we called a 1,522-byte frame a baby giant? What do we call this? A 9,022-byte frame. It's called a baby jumbo. I get a picture of a little elephant for some reason when I say that. But it's called a baby jumbo, which again is going to be okay if both ends of the link are configured to support these jumbo frames. And I hope this brief discussion about jumbo frames has made it a bit clearer in your mind about what a jumbo frame really is, how big it can be, what are some of its advantages and drawbacks. 
And on that note, we'll wrap up this episode of the Broadcast Storm. By the way, I want you to know about a new product that we're releasing here at Kevin Wallace Training. It's a training series for your CCNA CyberOps studies. It's a video training series done by our security trainer, Charles Judd. And here's the interesting thing. It's not done yet. Charles is adding multiple videos every week to the course. He's projecting sometime around June for the course to be finally done done. But here's the great news. There's been such a demand for this. I want to make it available to you now. So here's what you can do. You can go to cyber.kevin.live. Again, that's cyber, C-Y-B-E-R, cyber.kevin.live. And from there, you can purchase the pre-release version of this course. And I say pre-release in the event that you're listening to this podcast before it's actually released. Again, that's targeted around June of 2018. And you can buy it now and get access to the dozen or so videos that are already there with more videos being added every week. You get to download those videos. The course never expires. And since you're a Broadcast Storm listener, I want to give you 25% off. So here's a discount code for you. When you go to cyber.kevin.live and you're checking out, enter the discount code STORM, S-T-O-R-M. Enter the discount code STORM and you're going to get 25% off and you're going to get immediate access to the videos that Charles has already created. And you can look forward to new videos being added, multiple videos every week until the course is finally done done sometime around uh, June of 2018. Hope you really enjoyed that. There's been a huge demand for it. So Charles and I were discussing it and we decided let's not make people wait until it's completely done. There's a lot of valuable content that's there now and you can get immediate access to it. And as a Broadcast Storm listener, just use that discount code of STORM and you can enjoy 25% off. Hope you enjoy that and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Broadcast Storm. Broadcast Storm.